This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I'm so excited for today's episode. We've wanted to have him on for a very long time, and we finally got him, Mike DeYoung. Mike DeYoung, former finance minister of the province of British Columbia. Yeah, he was a little busy when we really wanted to have him on the first time around. Right, He was right. actually, uh, you know... He was running what, the finances of the country. It, of the province. Yeah, the province. it's a fairly big job. And uh, and yeah, he was basically finance minister from 2012 through to 2017. Right. Oversaw the implementation of the foreign buyer's tax, notably. Sure. Oversaw an economy and a real estate market in which houses and condos were moving at about 5 6% month over month. A historic run. A historic run. Mike DeYoung was in the hot seat the entire time. Right. And we've got him on today to talk about that, but also to talk about the current government and and where they're you know what they're doing right what they're doing wrong and uh, no secret mike's not a huge fan of the ndp this is an interesting conversation and it's one I, I wasn't able to be there unfortunately so you did the interview with with mike but i can't wait to hear it and from what i've what i've heard so far uh, this is a very exciting uh, it, it, it's very it's exciting a, interview it is, it is and one thing we should say shout out to adrian byrne past guest uh, who actually I was having a conversation with him and he mentioned, hey, why don't you try and get Mike DeYoung on? And uh, we're so happy he uh, took the time to talk to us. So Absolutely. But before we get to our conversation with Mike, Matt, 
we've had a ton of people reach out and we're always kind of communicating with people that are listeners. And especially if you get in touch, what we're hearing is that people are looking for investment opportunities right across Canada. That's right. They're trying to acquire doors. They're looking for cash flow neutral. They're looking for cash flow positive. And that's what we're doing now is we're, we're putting out the odd deal. We had a massive success with, uh, with Langford yeah, Tower. Yeah, huge response with Langford Tower. And, uh, and, you know, and that's why we started the Vancouver Presale Condos podcast in the first place was to kind of go out, look for those deals and introduce them to the people listening to this podcast. So we've got another one. Yeah, we do. So head over to Vancouver Presale Condos podcast. We are talking to Chris Pollan this week. He is the director of sales with Battistella premier developer in Calgary. Now, this is an 18-story concrete high-rise, 177 units with rooftop amenities right in West Beltline. So if you're not familiar with Calgary, that is basically the first neighborhood right out of the financial district and the center of downtown. We we both used to live in this neighborhood. We did. You went to high school. I did my last year from of there. high school in that area. It is a phenomenal That was a while area. ago, though. That was a while ago. <laughs> Not that long ago. In Matt. fact, uh, our our other Chris, you used to work at the Blockbuster, basically. Yeah, yeah. Across, that's how I, long I, ago I don't, it was. I don't want to date. Yeah, Blockbuster still existed. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was like, and it was thriving. Yeah, it, it was. It was at the peak of rentable movies. That's, that's, so we know this neighborhood well, though, is the point. Yeah. We know yeah. this neighborhood well. Yeah. Well, we, we, we lived there 30 years ago. Uh, <laughs> no, but the point is, is that uh, Beltline is the fastest growing community in Calgary. It was voted as Calgary's best area by Avenue Market And it was magazine. legitimately, it was great back then. It, that neighborhood is fantastic. Let me get my stats out here, okay, Matt. Sorry. Good Lord. Um, anyways, the, the best thing about it is that this area, okay, so rents are about $3 a foot. Demand is growing. Calgary was just voted as the f- number one liv- most livable city in North America. Amazing. Number four in the world. Number four That's in the amazing. world. By The Economist, Matt. This is not some kind of Bush League rag. Yeah, this isn't the, the thing you pick up when you ride the C train. This no. This is The Economist. <laughs> no, this is, yeah. Speaking of the C train, it's 600 meters away from this new project. Wow. Walkable. Very, and, very and walkable. It, and it cash flows. It right? cash this flows. Is the... And that's the exciting part is there's 75% of the units are below $350,000. They are starting at $198,500. That is about five ninety dollars a square foot, which is actually lower than what built already already built properties are selling for in Calgary. So anyways, we're not going to bore you here with it. Go over to Vancouver Presale Condos podcast, listen to that episode with Chris, and uh, you will learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, maybe we should cut to our talk with Mike DeYoung. This is this is not to be missed. Absolutely. Enjoy. Okay, I'm here with Mike DeYoung, MLA for Abbotsford since 1994 and former finance minister for the BC Liberal Party. How you doing, Mike? Matt, uh, I'm doing great, and it's fantastic to be on the, uh, the program with you. Okay, great. Well, yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Maybe, Mike, uh, most of our listeners are going to be familiar with you, but if you don't mind, can you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Grew up in uh, in Abbotsford. Actually, it was Matsqui uh, before the amalgamation uh, a number of years ago. Uh, went to the last uh, one room prairie farmhouse. Uh, went to high school here, and then went off to uh, get an undergrad degree in uh, in Ottawa and law school over in Alberta. Always intended to come home. Did started a law practice, and uh, in as you pointed out, in the early nineties uh, got involved 
politically at the provincial level and uh, have served as the MLA. Uh, been proud to serve as the MLA out here for just about 25 years now. Were you always interested? I'm always interested in people who land in politics. Um, was that kind of a goal when you went to law school or did you kind of fall into it uh, accidentally or, or how did that happen? I wouldn't say it was a goal. I would say that uh, I was always interested and always an observer of the uh, political process. I, I believed and still believe that government plays an important role uh, in, in guiding society, in uh, facilitating decisions, uh, facilitating uh, cooperation uh, amongst people. Look, uh, there's a lot of things we can do individually and a lot of things we can't do individually. And at the end of the day, irrespective of, of political stripes, governments are about uh, bringing people together. It should be about bringing people together marshalling our resources and uh, uh, cooperatively uh, developing our society in a, in a positive way. And uh, so I was always interested in that, uh, and, uh, but, but didn't go to law school with, with that necessarily in mind. Uh, but here I am uh, uh, 25 years later, having uh, been very fortunate in terms of the, the time I've been able to spend as an elected official. Fantastic. So one of the things you mentioned there about government, um, you know, uh, bringing people together, I was kind of struck by that. I mean, in in your time uh, as a finance minister, we obviously saw an explosion in, in real estate prices and, and we were realtors at the time. And uh, I remember a lot of people being very angry over the last couple of years about, about real estate prices. Uh, since the NDP has been in power and, and they've introduced... Um, a number of policies uh, that seem to have been divided the community in in a lot of ways. A lot of people support them. A lot of people don't. Um, Question for you. Did you see the run-up in real estate prices over the last five years that seems to have created so much kind of tension in in Metro Vancouver? Well, it's interesting because we do, I think, naturally tend to focus on uh, the most recent events and uh, the the dramatic uh, rise in uh, in prices. And but it it was very much a symptom. Is very much a symptom of a bunch of other stuff that has taken place in British Columbia in Metro Vancouver. Um, our economy has been leading the country. Um, we aspired to uh, achieve that. Uh, that didn't happen by accident. Right. Uh, and uh, we sought out people to come here uh, to uh, to invest, to create jobs, uh, to uh, establish their their homes here and their their families here. I mean, if you think about all all of the things that we have done, not just over the last uh, fifteen or sixteen years, but over the better part of three decades. It has been to establish Vancouver as a world-class city uh, that registers internationally. Uh, we saw that all begin to happen in a very uh, dramatic way. But what we forget is when I for- became finance minister, uh, we were still fighting our way out of a recession. Um, I mean, it all seems today. It all seems like it. It, it has been. Um, positive news forever. Right. Uh, that wasn't the case uh, when I became the finance minister in uh, 
in 2012, uh, we were in a, a, a budget deficit uh, situation uh, provincially. Uh, revenues were not growing at anywhere near the rate uh, we wanted. Economic growth was not occurring at the rate we wanted it uh, to uh, in order to employ people and provide a future for, for families. So we worked, and British Columbians worked, uh, to make that happen. Vancouver real estate prices and the, the rapid growth uh, we have seen there is is largely a symptom and a result of the success we enjoyed as a as a region and a province in developing the strongest economy in the country. Right, so sort of the the victim of our of our own success, and we talk a lot about you know um, Vancouver being a global city, Vancouver being kind of a city of the future, and 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 high housing prices is seems to be just inevitable when when uh, a lot of the world is looking. Uh, and admiring you as a city and, and want to invest in uh, in BC, right? Well, Matt, I, I mean, there are there are several aspects uh, to this that I I think you know some things that we we did well. I mean, there's in the 25 years that I have spent at the provincial level uh, in government, uh, there are two kinds of problems you can have. You can have the the challenges associated with a shrinking economy and a jurisdiction that people don't want to come to, don't want to invest in, don't want to create jobs in. And we actually we actually dealt with that in the 1990s. We have people leaving. Our mm-hmm. population shrank. And that created a whole series of challenges. People saw their uh, their family wealth decline, not increase. Uh, so that's, that's one set of challenges. Or... Um, you can be confronted by the challenges associated with success, with a, a growing economy, a jurisdiction that people are, are flooding into, uh, investing in. Now, both are challenges, uh, and I don't want to diminish uh, the, the, the impact of either, but I know which type of challenge I prefer dealing with, and it is the latter. It is the, uh, the challenges associated with uh, growth and uh, success. And just as you've said, um, you know, the world began to take notice uh, of Vancouver. Other Canadians began to take notice of uh, Vancouver, Metro Vancouver. Our response in certain areas didn't keep pace with that level of interest. And we can talk about that in terms of, of what a what a community and a jurisdiction needs to do when confronted by those challenges of growth and success. And uh, in some cases, we responded. In some cases, we didn't. Actually, can you, can you speak a little bit more about that? Because I'm always, you know, I remember on the ground, we were kind of selling real estate, sprinting, um, and it just seemed like a, a lot of people were kind of caught flat-footed. I remember talking to Tom Davidoff, say, at the start of 2017, and we said, what are, what are condos going to do this year? And he said they'd be flat. Um, and, of course, they rose by 25 30%. Um, can you just kind of speak to, to kind of being the finance minister on the ground and um, dealing with that, that kind of overwhelming response to Vancouver in terms of, you know, the market clipping at 3 to 5% every month? Like, like, what was that like? And, and do you have any regrets or things you wish you would have done at that point differently? So, I mean, you do get reports, uh, and, 
and and certainly there is a uh, on on what's happening in the real estate sector. You get reports on retail sales. You get re- reports on uh, on fiscal activity uh, generally, and it it was percolating along at a at a pretty healthy rate, and that revealed itself in terms of uh, revenues to uh, to government. I tend to be very cautious. People have commented on that. Uh, so when uh, when I was told, for example, that retail sales would grow at a certain uh, rate, I, I tended to be uh, uh, cautious. Uh, the same on the um, on the uh, the real estate side. What, of course, began to happen as as it really heated up, um, and at the pace at which it it heated up, is people started to look for uh, for someone or something. Uh, to blame, right? Uh, and <laughs> I had to tell led, people I was a plumber for about a year and a half there <laughs> when they yeah. asked what I did. Yeah, well, and and uh, in retrospect, I mean, there there are two things in retrospect that I that I wish I and the uh, uh, the government I was a part of had uh, uh, had done uh, more or or done things differently. Uh, the first relates to the collection of data because. In the absence of sound data, people came up with all kinds of crazy explanations for what was happening. It's always easier to blame someone else. Right. So I, I had people coming to me uh, telling me that uh, half, of every, uh, half of every sale was, uh, of a, a home in Metro Vancouver uh, was going to uh, some foreign, uh, foreign national uh, offshore investor. Well, we know that's not the case. But in the absence of data, it became uh, very difficult to uh, to address that. So I did ultimately in 2016 begin that process. It wasn't a difficult one to require some basic data at the time of purchase when uh, transfers are, are registered and property transfer taxes are, are paid. In retrospect, I wish we'd done that sooner uh, because it would have given us a better, uh, given us as a government and a society uh, a better base of information upon which to make decisions. But the other thing, uh, in retrospect, I wish I had been even more insistent upon uh, than I was, is uh, this whole question of supply. Because the conversation tended to focus almost exclusively on what the government should do to dampen down demand. As we now know, the vast, vast majority of that demand was domestic and, and domestic Canadian. And that's a good thing. Right. And what, uh, what is unfortunate is uh, that we didn't, uh, we didn't keep pace in terms of uh, the supply, uh, in terms of the supply of, of homes and uh, condos. I mean, look, I'll say this uh, again. People don't always like to hear it. There is a finite supply of detached homes in Vancouver. And in fact, if we're really honest, next year there will be fewer detached homes, not more. Why? Because we have to densify. And we densify on land that presently uh, uh, holds detached homes. What does that mean? That means the value of those detached homes is going to go up, not down. Absent a recession or increased interest rates, um, the value of a detached home in Vancouver is going to continue to increase over time. Why? Because there are going to be fewer of them. Right. 
Yeah, kind of basic supply and demand. <laughs> this, this, this is not. This is this part of it is not rocket science. So I I know you know politicians don't like to talk about that, but but that's a, a fundamental fact that no one's going to change. Now you can drive the economy into recession, I guess, but that's a hell of a poor way, in my view, uh, to uh, make housing more affordable, and it won't be more affordable because. The people you purport to be helping won't have jobs. They won't be able to buy them even at uh, the reduced rate. So, you know, when I when I began to explore in detail the length of time it was taking and the pent up demand uh, for for building permits, I've, I've told this story uh, before, Matt. At one point in 2016, I called City Hall and I said, "How many permits, pending permits, are there for new homes?" detached and, co- and condos in Vancouver. Response, well, we don't know. <laughs> well, you bloody well should. Right. I mean, every day, you know, the mayor is on the, 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 the radio talking about the crisis. Surely you should know how many, uh, how many applications. Like, this is not an issue that government solves exclusively on its own. Government has a role for, you know, low-income housing, supportive housing. But the middle, the middle class, the builders are out there. Mm-hmm. The people who want to build these homes are out there. They have to be given an opportunity to build those homes. And if they're being forced to wait two, three, four, five, even six years to get basic permitting approval, that's our fault. That's our fault as society, our fault as government. And people are reluctant, politicians and bureaucrats are reluctant to look in the mirror it's easier to point and blame someone, someone beyond our shores. The ultimate solution uh, to that challenge is for us to get on and ex- expedite and do a better job expediting the approvals necessary uh, for builders to get on with building homes. Right. Hey, the, preaching to the choir on, on that one, Mike, for sure. Uh, so uh, just listening to your to things you would have done differently there. I mean, you mentioned the collection of data and I, and I think you're right. There was, uh, I remember those conversations around, around a lack of data and, and, you know, when you don't have something, you can imagine all sorts of things occurring. Exactly. That, that, that makes total sense. Um, and then you, you also mentioned supply. Can you, can you walk us through kind of the, the process of, of implementing the foreign buyers tax when you did, and and was that something? I mean, that definitely had an impact on, well, especially at that at the time, the single family home market. But can you walk us through kind of the process and coming up with that that idea? Well, it, I mean, it, it had an impact. I don't know that it uh, dramatically uh, uh, reduced uh, downward uh, the price of attached home in Vancouver. Nor was that the necessarily the objective. Our our, our objective was not to diminish people's uh, equity in their home. Right. But we did look uh, by by 20 by 2016 uh with with the market as heated as it was uh, what were some of the options uh available to us and you know every, everything everything that you can imagine uh came through the door and 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 was examined and Things were rejected. Things like uh, you know speculation taxes that have have proven so ineffective in other jurisdictions and are being ineffective uh, here. And in fact, the version we have now isn't even a speculation tax. But we can talk about that. <laughs> right. uh, we can talk about that later. 
Um, but we, we settled on uh, a, a limited uh, application of a foreign uh, buyer's tax. And, and there was the, the rationale was, was to buy some breathing space while uh, supply caught up. Mm-hmm. And, and I, sh- I should tell you this, Matt. I mean, I, you know, I've been doing this a, 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 a long time, um, privileged to be able to do uh, uh, work in the provincial government for a long time. We have worked awfully hard, uh, and I have my entire time uh, doing this to convey to the world um, that British Columbia is a, uh, a jurisdiction that is, that is open for business. And it's one of the reasons we had the, uh, the best economy in Canada. You have to be careful about the signals you send. Mm-hmm. And so this was not something, you know, I, I know the, the members of the new government and, and, and their allies think nothing of, they've expanded it. Believe me, there will be, there is a price to be paid for this um, in terms of the reputation you, you have over, overseas as a jurisdiction that's open for business. Now, we've ultimately decided that in a, in a limited way, uh, given what was happening in, uh, in Metro Vancouver, we were going to apply uh, the tax there uh, to try and slow down uh, the demand while we caught up on the, uh, on the supply side. So, you know, someone said to me the other day, you were, you were really hesitant about doing this. Yeah, I was. Because our success as a country and our success as a, uh, as a province uh, is built around uh, generating commerce and, and inviting people and, and drawing them in and, uh, and letting them know that they are welcome here. Um, a special tax like this sends a different signal. We thought in 2016 that it was necessary, mm-hmm. and it had the, uh, uh, the desired uh, short-term uh, effect of reducing that demand. But, of course, we also know now that that demand accounted for, in, in, in Metro Vancouver, less than 10% of the market. Right. It's interesting because it seems like the it goes back to this idea of of lack of data, right? That that uh, it's almost like you had to deal with the perception that was out there as opposed to to actually what was happening. Um, I'm always I always think back to and you might have uh, saw this. It was a, an article about Vancouver real estate in the New Yorker, like maybe four years ago. And one of the things they made the case that why Vancouver was so popular and why British Columbia was so popular uh, for global investors was because of the social and political stability. And it, it seems like that's kind of what you're driving at here. I mean, the foreign buyers tax was introduced and then since the goalposts seem to have been moved uh, a number of times. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I tend to agree with you. It seems like there's going to be the ripple effects of of, of those policy shifts um, in terms of the larger economy. It seems to it's it's going to come home to roost at some point. Well, I mean, look at where we are now. The new the new government. Look, democracy is democracy. They are the the government, and they are making different choices. But um, there will be, in my view, a very negative impact that will flow from all of these taxes and new taxes that are being heaped on uh, not speculators, but British Columbians and and Canadians. The signal from British Columbia 
today is very different. It is, do not come here. You are not welcome. Do not consider uh, uh, investing here. And uh, there will be a price to be paid for that. And by the way, um, at, a, at a time when um, we, you know, we still have, uh, in my view, exceptionally high real estate prices that are only going to be alleviated with um, uh, more supply, uh, what's happening to housing starts? They're going down. Right. And not just a little bit. They are declining dramatically over the next two years in the, in the government's own, uh, now I figure that out Yeah, at a time, at a time when we are, we are told, and I believe we are in desperate need of uh, a growing supply of housing, uh, as a way to make them available. And, uh, uh, and secondly, uh, generate some, some affordability, the, uh, uh, construction of new housing is actually declining. Doesn't make sense to me, right? And it it uh, this <laughs> we've been talking about it a bit on on uh, the show because you know it, speculators are uh, you know if you're not talking about foreign buyers you're talking about speculators as the the boogeymen uh, out there or the the boogie people I guess. Uh, but when when those people that are you know that are essentially part of the helping to finance projects uh, to be built disappear uh, because there's uh, so many policies geared towards uh, stifling demand, I think, you know, ironically, we're going to end up in a situation potentially, you know, a couple years down the line when the market uh, ramps up again, where we're, we're going to still have a lack of supply. Well, Matt, the, I mean, where I differ uh, significantly from uh, the NDP government, uh, well, I guess I differ in, in many areas, but um in, in the in the case of housing, there is a a belief I think amongst the the, the members of that government that it will be the government uh, that solves uh, this issue. That uh, if they impose enough new taxes, they can uh, reduce uh, demand, and uh, they'll spend taxpayers' money on uh, and and build housing. And by the way, I think there is a role for government in terms of uh, supportive housing and uh, uh, low income. Uh, housing, uh, I don't, I don't dispute that. But the challenge that the broad middle class is is experiencing, in terms of uh, finding affordable housing in Metro Vancouver, will not be solved by government, and it sure as hell isn't going to be made easier by having more taxes imposed on them. the The challenge that the broad middle class is facing will be solved when the private sector is freed up to construct more housing. And and what we are seeing as a result of these uh, policies by the uh, the NDP is is exactly the opposite uh, happening. So I don't unfortunately uh, see a very positive uh, uh, see things improving greatly uh, in Metro Vancouver at least for the middle class. You know I I will say this um, in other parts of British Columbia, of course, this generation of significant wealth. Uh, in the Metro Vancouver housing market is having a positive spin-off effect because um, some people are deciding uh, armed with the, the wealth that has been created. Um, they and their families are finding other places to live in. And we forget that in many parts of British Columbia over the last uh, couple of decades, there has been a problem of depopulation and that's now changing. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, shifting gears a little bit, 
Mike, just from a, a kind of uh, somebody who's lived in Vancouver and and or lived in Metro Vancouver, I should say, Abbotsford, I guess, and worked in BC over the last uh, 25, 30 years. Would you buy Metro Vancouver real estate today? Uh, well, I think it's, uh, it's destined to continue to be a, uh, a solid investment. I think it'll always be a solid investment uh, over the medium and long term. Uh, in the short term, uh, I see some real, I see some real problems, uh, deriving from, uh, the policies of a government that wants to drive people away and, and build a wall. So um, I think ultimately uh, an investment in uh, Metro Vancouver real estate is a positive thing. By the way, I can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be content uh, sitting on my, uh, uh, sitting on my porch in the, on, on my farm in Abbotsford. But, uh, but if I could, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it will continue uh, to be a, uh, a solid investment over the, uh, the medium and long term. So, so <laughs> that's a good answer. Uh, what do you think, I mean, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, what the NDP's, uh, what, what you believe the NDP's getting wrong. What is the NDP getting right in regards to housing policy? Well, I think they've, they've followed through, uh, on, uh, the, uh, the the significant the billion dollar plus investments uh, that we had uh, uh, put in our budget uh, in 2017 for uh, supportive housing. I talked a, a little bit about that. Um, I think and, and I I think they're serious about that. I mean I think uh, they they see a, a role for government, and I uh, agree. Um, we are hearing about uh, potential investments uh, in transit. Um, the, the cost of those investments seem to be skyrocketing, uh, so I'm a little bit concerned about that. What I also want to see, however, is a determined approach that would see densification along those very expensive transit corridors. And this is something we talk about sort of looking back on my time in government. Uh, I should have been more insistent upon, and the government should have been more insistent upon. It's fine to talk about expanding SkyTrain. I think it's great. I love the SkyTrain. I got my Compass card. That's it's a great it's a great system. Right. It costs billions and billions of taxpayers' dollars to expand SkyTrain. If we are going to do it, and and I think there is a solid case to be made for 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 doing so, it must follow that along that transit corridor there is densified housing and uh, we would be uh, uh, we would be foolish in the extreme uh, not to insist upon that as a prerequisite to investing those taxpayers dollars and look I know some neighborhoods are going to be upset about that but that is the price and I've said this before and I'll say it again you cannot build SkyTrain past white picket fences doesn't work interesting and that's well yeah we <laughs> Uh, that, that's that's a very good point. Um, last question for you, Mike, and we know you're you're a busy guy. Uh, do you think the NDP did enough modeling, uh, debate, analysis in regard to the current real estate policy that they introduced in February? I don't think they did any. Right, because I, I, yeah. or sorry, go on. Well, I mean, if you look at take. 
take one of the fundamental pillars of that uh, speculation tax, I mean, describing it as half-baked is being generous because uh, the, the answers from the government about who it's going to apply to and what it's intended to accomplish uh, change every week. Mm-hmm. Um, this this had far more to do uh, with optics and political optics than any well-developed strategy to actually uh, address uh, housing issues. And, you know, I, I can't say I'm surprised. Uh, I have been involved in this long enough to know that the, uh, the 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 approach taken by my friends across the aisle in the NDP generally is uh, when in doubt tax it um, and, and and heaping new taxes uh, onto people strikes me as an odd way to make try to make something more uh, affordable. Um, so I, I I don't think they uh, put a lot of thought uh, into this. I think they felt compelled to uh, demonstrate some sort of a dramatic. Uh, approach and again with the speculation tax, which is really just a wealth tax, um, we now know that it the vast majority of people who are captured by this uh, aren't speculators at all. They're uh, people that have tried to buy want to buy a retirement home or own a cabin or or, or something like that. Uh, they're Canadians and British Columbians, uh, not uh, not foreigners uh, at all. So. Um, no, I don't think there was a lot of thought uh, that went into it. And uh, as I say, the the fact that we uh, that we see housing starts significantly uh, dropping uh, tells me that the uh, the approach, far from working, the approach is is going to uh, make the situation uh, far worse uh, instead of better. Right, and 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 a follow up question to that. Um, just because you've you know been in the in the hot seat uh, in the past and you spent five years as the the finance minister, uh, from your experience, what what impact do you see these policy shifts having on on the provincial budget and, and the economy more generally? I mean, it just as a way that we've been thinking about. It, I'm always struck that it seems like the projections for you know PTT, the property transfer tax, and and other taxes. Um, seem to suggest like the market's just going to hum along and not there's no reaction to to the new taxes in place. Um, do you have any thoughts on on sort of a broader impact of these policy shifts? Yeah, and and you've already you're already seen it. The the number to watch is um, you know the conference board just released a report showing uh, economic general economic growth in British Columbia uh, slowing down uh, significantly. When that happens, there is an impact uh, across uh, across the fold, and, and that impacts revenue to government. It impacts economic activity. It impacts revenue to government. I mean, let's let's make this uh, instead of talking in the abstract. Let's talk about what is beginning to happen now in the construction sector. Now, I've talked to people, um, and uh, they tell me, look. Yeah, I'm pretty busy right now, but I haven't got any work. Now. I haven't got any work in the spring. Right. So right now, I'm on track to lay off uh, ten guys. In the economy we have experienced, if someone was laid off, they got absorbed the next day. Except now, uh, the company that those ten guys might have gone to, they're laying off ten guys, and you can just feel uh, the attitude is different. Uh, that will impact obviously retail sales. That will impact um, economic uh, or uh, employment uh, employment numbers. 
So, you know, the numbers are pointed in the wrong direction, and, uh, uh, and, and we're already beginning to see that, and that will reveal itself in revenues to government, and I think it's only a matter of time before we find ourselves back in, uh, in, into deficit financing uh, at the governmental level. I hope you're wrong. But I, I fear I, you're I right. I hope I'm wrong too. I hope I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, I hope I'm wrong as well. But uh, uh, right now, the uh, the evidence uh, suggests that that's the direction we're headed. Okay. Well, well, uh, we'll leave it there on the on the, I guess a bit of an ominous note, Mike. We we have a uh, a segment here just at the end of the podcast, kind of a lighthearted segment called the Five Wire. Five quick questions about Metro Vancouver. Can you stick around for that? I can. Okay, great. So, first question, and I guess uh, being a politician from Abbotsford, I might have an idea here, but favorite neighborhood? Uh, I like going down to uh, uh, Kitsilano area. Okay, unexpected, but uh, yeah, I don't blame you. Kits is great. Uh, what is your favorite restaurant? Uh, Le Tableau. Le Tableau. Yeah. Trying... Where, where, is, where is Le Tableau? Butte and uh, Dunsmuir. Dunsmuir turns into Melville, right? Dunsmuir and Melville. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've never, I've never actually been. That's a good recommendation. French food, presumably. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, some French cuisine, uh, sort of European fare. All right. West Side Mansion or Downtown Penthouse? <laughs> um, oh, I like to have a garden. <laughs> my uh, agrarian roots yeah, yeah fair enough uh, first place you take someone from out of town um uh, i will uh i'll take him around the seawall yeah fair enough that's uh you can't go wrong and last question this one stumped a few of our guests recently have you bought something in the last year or two for under five hundred dollars it could be a gadget a book uh a record uh, that has that has really changed your life. Yeah, I got a. Uh, I had to replace the eight track in my car, so I'm uh, I'm on cassettes now. I was gonna say I, I I remember seeing somebody ask you a question about uh, a quote you had about um, you know the mo- modern technology and uh, uh, so you're on to cassettes. That's that's good to hear. I'm lurching into the 21st century. <laughs> Well, I'm fully here, and I can tell you it's not so great. <laughs> I wish I could throw my phone away. <laughs> well, well, well. Thanks so much, Mike. We really appreciate your time. That was that was really fascinating. And um, yeah, thanks again, Matt. Enjoyed it. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with MLA. Mike DeYoung and former finance minister for the Liberal Party of the province of British Columbia. Very engaging conversation with Mike DeYoung, Matt. Thanks for doing that interview. And man, am My I pleasure. sorry I missed it now. Yeah, you know what? It's it's amazing that, you know, when you start a, a podcast called the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast, you never think you're going to talk to guys like Mike DeYoung. It's sure. A re, it's a real pleasure and a real treat that we are able to do so. Yeah, and I mean, one thing I, I noticed is a lot of politicians that have been on in the past, they're, they're often guarded because they don't want to say something. They don't want to put their foot in their mouth or say something like a gotcha type moment. Um, he was very candid. And, I mean, very engaged. I think, you know what, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that part of the conversation, you know, we're talking about when he was finance minister, it's kind of a look back 
and uh, and you know he's not running for anything currently. He sure. he holds his seat out in Abbotsford, and uh, yeah, I mean, very personable guy, very bright guy, and I guess that's what you should expect from somebody that holds positions like Mike has held. But it's uh, but yeah, it was such a pleasure talking to him. Absolutely. But before we cut for the day, Matt, uh, I understand um, what is what is that book that you brought brought in today? Oh, this old thing. Yeah, yeah. What what is that book? What is it called again? Because I I, uh, I can't wait to see the I can't oh, see the Matt Scalina two point yeah, so, so so it's called convict conditioning, and okay. this is this is my new. This is how you train your brain to think like a prisoner. <laughs> no, this is uh, it's a new. I just heard of this book. It's a, a new workout, or I don't know if it's a new workout. It's new to me. But uh, old yeah, to, old to convicts. Th- these <laughs> these are for the folks out there who don't want to buy a gym membership. Uh, this you can do all these exercises in a six by nine foot cell, right? Uh, using nothing but your own body weight. And uh, I got the book. I'm ready to go. Talk to me in a couple months. It's, we'll see how it's it, convenient that you live in a six by nine cell. <laughs> Yeah. This is really going to work for you. Yeah, so no, what is it? Just a bunch of chin-ups and push-ups? Uh, that, I haven't read it yet. Um, okay. I'm an aspiring uh, chiseled-bodied convict. I, you know what? I got to say, the, there's, the, people, the, the thing about the gym is it's hard enough to work out at the gym and there's a bunch of amazing machines and, and people that have, are in really good shape that would motivate you. Well, <laughs> yeah. How's your I know. living room floor? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it's slightly better than the Britannia gym. Where I yeah. currently go. <laughs> Actually, that's that's true. That's true. No offense to Britannia. Yeah, no, they're. I think they're they're that's building the, that's, a new community center there. Yeah, actually, yeah. so the current one is the solitary confinement. <laughs> Of, yeah, exactly. Of My living room facilities. is actually is actually that's a real quite change. a bit to step up. You know? Anyways, what else do we got? We got the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast dot com. That's right. Head over to the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast dot com if you're interested in that project from Batistella or anything else real estate related. We have research tools such as private client services. Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices. You get realtor level information. So basically, behind the curtain, you get to see days on market. You're, it's updated. 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. And if you're not using it, really, why, why are you not using it? It's crazy. If you're not using private client services here in Vancouver, you're doing it wrong. We also have that mobile app. Picture this, Matt. You're out in Abbotsford. You're getting a lift somewhere with uh, former finance minister Mike DeYoung. He's got the cassette deck just blaring. Yeah. All which right. which he's, he listens to tapes, he, he is uh, a which is great. Tape aficionado. Yeah, and I feel like, uh, I'm not sure which genre of music, but he lives on a farm, so likely um, likely some uh, Waylon Jennings yeah. playing. Honky and Tonk Heroes is blaring. Is, right? is blaring. And, and you look out the window and you see this beautiful farm home, okay? You got your mobile in your, uh, in your hand. Not you know sure one thing, Mike, not- Mike DeYoung does not have the mobile app i don't think based on our conversation but you no, do no yeah but but i do so i point it at the beautiful farmhouse turns out it's on the market i get the price i get all the information right there and guess what i can communicate with my agent directly just from this app yeah. it is the future it's fantastic augmented reality is here folks and that's for free on our website as well so go check out vancouver real and last but not least matt we are up around 177 or 178 reviews would really love to get to 180. So if you want to support this podcast, head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to it. Please leave us a review if you've gotten some benefit from this. And uh, also feel free to share it with a friend, yeah. a family member, somebody that you think will benefit from this information. We appreciate each and every one of you. 
Give me a shout at any point, 778-847-2854, or email me at matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574, or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And the secret schooling line, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Have a great week, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next Wednesday. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.